0: Right now, you can get both Sprint's unlimited plan and the all new Samsung Galaxy S10 included for just $35 per month per line for five lines. All you need is approved credit and 24 month installment billing. No trade in required. Visit a Sprint store, sprint.com, or call 800 Sprint 1. Phone $15 a month after 22 dollars a month credit. Apply within two bills of cancel early remaining balance to unlimited basic after 630 dollars Pay $32 per month per line for five lines without a payday to deprioritize during congestion. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply.
1: listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe.
2: On this edition of Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, We discussed if being an expansion club is an advantage or if it's not. Christian Dyer joins the show to discuss Red Bulls, MLS transfers, and the New York soccer scene. Finally, Corey Rovkin joins the show to discuss Houston Dynamo and the performances this season. All this on the next episode of Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast.
1: And hello, and welcome to Uncle Sam Soccer Podcast. I'm Stephen Jodarin. Across from me is the one and only Armonka
2: Wow, I feel honored. I'm the one and only. The one
1: and only. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, go ahead. Go ahead and follow us on Twitter if you haven't at Uncle Sam Soccer Pod. And we have a show announcement that we are going to announce at the end of today's show, so you might want to stay tuned for yeah, that.
2: Yeah, you have to stay tuned. Now. Stay
1: for- tuned for that. But let's get right to it. MLS expansion is such a hot. Debate. Yeah, uh, was it Nashville who just recently uh, published their, their stadium renderations and yeah, it looks is nice. beautiful. What the biggest thing about that was that the stadium went to th- was capacity of thirty k. That was a big talking point, point. and I think that's suddenly if these newer clubs are wanting to build a stadium, they're they're only going to have to get bigger.
2: I think they need to be around like twenty five thousand. But they need to have room for expansion. I mean, look at
1: what Portland's doing. Exactly. They're adding 4,000 seats, and it's costing them like 70 mil.
2: And even that's not enough for Portland. They no. could sell a 40,000
1: yeah, every yeah, single yeah. game. So, you know, if you're at these new expansion clubs, you might almost want to consider building uh, something what Sanford Bridge holds, uh, which is about 40K. I mean, around that, or at least have room for expansion. Mm-hmm. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to be stuck with... Uh,
2: Twenty thousand there when you could easily sell out more. But DC United's only stuck. At, it is only at twenty
1: two. It's I think that one has room for expansion too. Oh, it that does. one and they, Minnesota and uh, it's, it's there's one more off the top of my head. Down the remember. down the down the line. Yep. That they're going to expand. But the question is, being all these new expansion, you get all this hype. But is it truly an advantage when it comes to being an expansion club on and off the field? Now, what do you think? What my what, opinion is. It
2: is because of this of this soccer scene and everything that's new just glitters a little bit better. I mean, obviously in the future I don't think it'll matter as much, but for right now, for building your brand, I think it's the optimal time to be an expansion side over a original six, eight, the original eight sides, ten. Uh, ten. There you go, ten sides that are in the MLS. It's like that's hockey. just that's just yeah. That's just my. Two cents, but apparently you have something different. So, well,
1: so you say expansion? Yeah. Okay. the The answer is actually it depends on what perspective you look at it. So What perspective? Because am I, I originally to get? thought being an expansion club would be such an advantage. Right. So I'm writing. I'm reading from Forbes. Uh, this was published last year in September, so about a year ago to the date, from Chris Smith. Uh, the average MLS team is worth one hundred and eighty-five million, which I think is only higher now. I couldn't find the number; they haven't released.
2: I think it, the lowest team is Colorado yes, at like one fifty. But
1: they're they're going up, which is an eighty percent increase from three years ago, right? And then a massive four hundred percent increase from two thousand and eight, yeah, four hundred percent. That's a lot. <laughs> um, at the time they were talking about two hundred million dollar expansion, uh, ex- expansion bids. Two hundred million dollars. So That's like,
2: huge. So, like uh, the expansion fees, right?
1: Yeah, I mean? but now yeah. we all know it's one hundred fifty. So yeah. at the time they were looking at as high as two hundred. I think they could even jump to that for the net, that twenty eight and twenty seven, twenty eight bid could be two hundred million. Yeah, maybe maybe they they kind of open it up and say, okay, whoever wants to bid the highest, you know, that would be some um, marketing.
2: I mean. To be honest, I mean, I feel like all those teams would pony up the money and all those teams would be good options for MLS. Yes, yes, yes. I I wouldn't be surprised if they did that.
1: Yes. And do you know what it was just five years ago, what the expansion was? Was it like 75? It was
2: 40. Wow. 40. That's nothing. That's a bargain if you come into MLS at that time.
1: No, it's it's a huge bargain and it's incredible to to note the increase in expansion just years old, years ago at the time Garber says there's a lot of questions and concerns among potential investors as the price um, noting that each sub each round has set a new record fee but today quote but today I think team owners are feeling pretty good about the investment they made in the league regardless of the price they paid
2: and so how about those investments that can build the league right now because i mean right now we it's still in its growing stages so those investments and the trust of those investors is really key for the growth of the league
1: yeah and what's even more staggering is it the bear it bears out when it comes to teams so you know as 185 million dollar uh club annual value that's the average in mls which is an eighteen percent increase over last year, eighty percent increase since twenty thirteen, a staggering four hundred percent increase from the first MLS evaluations in two
2: thousand eight. Wow! So, is this perspective
1: saying coming into the
2: league earlier, it's now your uh, club has a lot more value well, and whatnot? Or
1: do you know what the average MLS team was worth in two thousand and eight? Nothing. Thirty-seven million dollars. That is nothing buy, for that didn't even buy sponsors. you Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo. Just think about it. Was worth more
3: Maybe, than, than an two MLS.
1: at least, right? Yeah, you could buy two MLS franchises for that. That's a pretty good investment. Great investment. I I can't believe you you. Uh, uh where it was that low. It's so staggering. And 222 million dollars uh euros was the cost of Neymar. And that is still higher than some of the MLS's uh franchises. So what would you rather have? A Neymar or a Colorado Rapids? Wait. I've still <laughs> gotta put in some more. I take Neymar. Um but here here's even something more interesting. For now I'm continue reading from from the article. Four out of the league's five most valuable franchises joined MLS in the sat, last seven years. Okay, and the two most recent additions being, which was uh, uh, New York City FC and uh, Orlando City, have gone off to an absolutely incredible start. In fact, a significant part of this year's increase in average value directed uh, was directly attributed to the first-time appearances of those two clubs. Wow. So the new club, just NYCFC is at 225 mil, uh, and Orlando is in fifth with $240 million. I bet that
2: number's gone up because of this new stadium that Orlando has and whatnot. Uh,
1: And, yes, and at the time, remember, they're still playing in the Citrus Bowl. Right. And they had to pay... According to stadium lease agreement, the team paid all the operating expenses of $15,000 per game and had to split concessions and parking revenue with the city of Orlando.
2: And now they keep it all for themselves. Now they keep
1: it all to themselves. And then NYCFC actually was losing $9 million the first year due to the largest operating costs uh, because they played in New York, uh, Yankee Stadium, and the, the players they had to pay for. That's interesting.
2: But hey... You gotta spend to, you know, make some money. So
1: if you are looking at it from a revenue standpoint, off the field, you wanna be a new club, you get a brand new stadium, you have a fantastic hype too of the marketing first opportunity. Marketing opportunity. Look at Atlanta United, correct? Yep. So you have that opportunity, which is which is insanely awesome. Right. And then you have the opportunity to grab marquee plays. Look at LAFC. wonder what they're going to be valued at after their first year. Bob Bradley comes Probably in. Probably some crazy value. Stadium's fantastic. And located in LA, you have the ownership of Magic Johnson, Will Ferraro. You have a
2: Mexico national team star now on the team. So, I mean.
1: Yeah, I know. Dude, well, I was, when when they signed all these players, are coming. Ariola, Vela, Dos Santos, Brothers. The, U- uh, the All-Star game is going to quickly become the U.S. men's national team with mixed in with a couple of Mexicans and a couple Europeans. That would be pretty funny. That's what it's going to turn into. <laughs> it's, it's no longer going to be the MLS All-Star. It's just going to be the U.S. men's national team sprinkled in some substitutes. <laughs> I mean, seriously. But the highest-valued club is Seattle Sounders. I'm not surprised by that. Followed by L.A., NYCFC, Toronto, and Orlando City. That makes sense. So off the field, you want to be an expansion club. It makes sense. Right. So we're going to get Christian Dyer here on. And in the final 10 minutes, we're going to discuss about the on field. Would you rather be an expansion club on the field? But we both agree off the field, the numbers support it. You want to be an expansion club. Okay, Off the field, absolutely. You you just make more money. Yeah. But Christian Dyer is about to call in. So we're going to get to him. And then followed by the Houston Chronicle, just Yeah, Corey Rope can this be an I- interesting little, uh, little discussion, interview. so stay tuned. Alright, joining us right now is Christian Diary, covers MLS for Metro Newspaper up in New York. How's it going, good sir? Hey, great to be on! Thanks for having me on, guys. No problem. Oh, no problem. So you're up in New York. must you must have watched the U.S. Open Cup and had a Joyride ride starting off. I don't know. Were you supporting the under you know Cinderella team of FC Cincinnati? Well, first things first. You're going to start off with the insult i'm
4: not from new york i'm from new jersey guys never call a guy from jersey from new york because your aunt might go missing all right so uh you know we are we are we are we are we are the land of the sopranos we fully embrace it we're, we're the sopranos we're not the jersey shore so just got to get that clear i'm a jersey guy uh, but no wasn't wasn't supporting anyone last night but i mean you know you got the cinderella story and, and the clock striking midnight for uh, that wonderful team from Cincinnati who, frankly, I I think we saw last night why uh, they knocked off a couple MLS teams en route to the semifinals of the Open Cup. And and Red Bull, who I I think uh, we're seeing now in the regular season uh, over the past month and a half, two months, Things don't go their way. Unlike the past two years under Jesse Marsh, they don't get frustrated. They don't bog down. They just kind of keep doing what they're doing and relying on the process and trusting the process. And I think that's certainly what played out in their three-two win last night.
2: I don't know if it was—I don't know if it was just me—but watching that game, I thought Cincinnati played fantastic for the first seventy minutes, and then as soon as like that 17th minute went just went completely downhill and that's when Verone scored and uh, BWP scored and then they went to extra time I don't know was it the same thing with you do you think Cincinnati played again yeah game? I,
4: I... I thought, I thought it was a very even uh, first half. Cincinnati certainly I think came out a bit stronger than they did in the quarterfinals. That was a team that kind of sat, sat back a little bit and then ground out the result against Miami. Uh, I thought that they came out a little bit better in this first half than, than certainly that match. And then about the 70th minute, you started to see when Red Bulls started to go to their bench and probably one of the two, three deepest teams in MLS in the New York Red Bulls. And they bring on board a Gonzalo Verone and then they had a Derek Etienne and some of the other pieces they were able to throw out there and he just saw that those fresh legs uh, Cincinnati having played on the weekend uh, it just started start to wear them down just a little bit so um, you know I think you saw the overall quality of MLS but certainly when you look at Cincinnati uh, we talk about the crowds we talk about everything else but let's talk about the quality of play from right. this team this was a team a year ago that was kind of mid-table in the USL uh, you know lo- lost to Red Bulls too badly Uh And ironically, they're playing Red Bulls, two this very weekend at Montclair State University. But this, this is a team that I think they put together some MLS castoffs. You know, you look at the goal scorer, Austin Berry, a guy I'm familiar with with his time here with the Philadelphia Union, could barely get off the bench the second half of that year he was here. Uh, but he comes on board, and not just the goal, but defensively through 65, 70 minutes, shut down Bradley Wright Phillips did a great job in the heart of that de- defense. Dominguez, uh, so many other pieces that Cincinnati has that you look and say, this is just a this is a team that's one, two, maybe three pieces away from being a very competitive MLS side.
1: Really. Do you think they're going to get the expansion bid after a performance like that and just cap- capturing the, the the heart of every soccer fan here in America?
4: Well, I mean, you look at Don Garber's tweet last night uh, raving about it. It was, it was a great atmosphere, certainly resonated that way on television. Uh, from the local broadcast in Cincinnati as i watched it online. I, I I think you can't help, but look at the fact that, uh, this seems to be another Seattle, Portland, uh, Atlanta type of situation Mm -hmm. when you see that there's a hardcore element right there, um, in terms of the supporters who have kind of embraced this culture and almost I, what you see with so many of these teams Atlanta being the outlier because they really didn't have a a second or third division team but a lot of these teams the fan base tends to be that young millennial hipster that mls wants to embrace but they hop on, but but they but they want to hop on board with these teams when they're in the lower division and kind of it's it's an us against the world mentality well we're not we're not pretty enough for mls but we, we, we love our ugly duckling status and then of course using that as a springboard i think almost in counterculture realm, guys, you know, to be able to say it's us against the world, we're not the most popular thing out there, but we want to prove ourselves and prove our worth, and they've certainly proved it throughout this Open Cup run. <laughs> you look at the fact that consistently their crowds are in the 15, 20, 25,000 range, better frankly than, than across the state in Columbus, <laughs> what they're drawing, and some of these other MLS original sides, D.C., United, New England, would kill for for crowds like this so without a doubt they're on the short list as long as ownership has deep enough pockets to be able to do the stadium the right way in the right location but also then to be able to keep up with what i call mls 4.0 which is the spending with via the targeted allocation money but also the three dps you're looking at atlanta spending money the right way minnesota perhaps a little bit on the pauper end of things and we're seeing those struggles right now
1: well, we we were just discussing in the first segment of the show whether or not it's an advantage to be an expansion club in uh, not being an expansion club. I guess being the original clubs, <laughs> and so far off the field, it seems to be an advantage being an expansion club. Um, so, but up in New York, you have you know the Red Bulls being being the older club versus the New York City FC. What's what's the atmosphere like there? What what is it up? You know, how does it compare to the the other teams like Jets, Giants, Knicks, Nets? Mets Yankees
4: yeah I think you you look at media coverage and press coverage uh City FC through the first two years and I can't speak as much this year but through the first two years definitely capitalized on the Yankees relationship I I think that's taken a step back this year but when you look at almost every club that's entered MLS since what 2009 2010 with Seattle uh, and, and move, and moving on, they've all benefited from the fact that there was a fan base that doesn't remember the ugly days of MLS. <laughs> they don't right. remember contraction in, uh, what was that, 2001, 2002. Yes. They don't remember playing in Giant Stadium or, uh, Invesco Field or, or, or anything like that. And part of the reason why I think we have this split between the haves and have nots in MLS, which guys happens in any league around the world right but sure, sure, sure. the, the have the, the have-nots are are the dc Uniteds and the new england revolutions who play in antiquated outdated stadiums in terms of mls 3.0 mls 4.0 uh, and it's just a more difficult sell and the fan base has grown up with the idea that uh you know the new england revolution are never going to win an mls cup or, or the New York Red Bulls are never going to win the MLS Cup in walks in the new guy, City FC, and, and there's a chance to be able to have a brand new shiny lineage without the tainting of, of past history. So it's absolutely an advantage, I think, uh, to be an expansion team in MLS. You're capturing a new fan base that that doesn't necessarily have the long memory, the heartbreaks uh, you know, over the years, the Metro stars always seemed to uh, have their worst performances whenever there was a double header at giant stadium they They would have a you know a thud two new loss uh, in front of forty six thousand people and then Columbia would play in the second leg of the double header. It was a chance to showcase the team uh and, and they never seemed to work out so uh, I think when you come in with a new sh- shiny toy uh it's an easier sell now right. i'll say I'll say this year with city f c it's been more difficult uh, because I think the Yankee Stadium experience is beginning to wear on people.
3: Oh, yeah. Attendance
4: Uh-oh. is down. Television ratings are down. Uh, they don't necessarily have the superstars that they had that drew so many people the first year and a half, two years. So we're beginning to see maybe that come down to earth. But uh, certainly when you look at Atlanta and the continued support there, uh, Seattle, Portland, et cetera. Uh, it's easy to see that that the expansion teams have an absolute advantage over the existing ten.
1: So I might. So you said you're from New Jersey. I'm, I'm originally from Boston. So thank God you're not from New York. Because I don't know if we, if we could have continued on. But um, <laughs> <laughs> you you mentioned the revolution. Do, do we have any update w- regarding stadium? I mean, Kraft just bought p- two planes for the Patriots and. And, you know, the Revolution up there are still taking chartered flights at Logan Airport and uh, having to play at in Foxborough, which is, you know, a drive away from Boston. I mean, Boston does have somewhat of a good soccer market. They are people who genuinely enjoy the sport. I mean, just look at their playoff attendances; it, it goes into the 30,000.
4: Yeah, I mean, without a doubt, I I think the revolution are definitely uh, second fiddle in terms of Kraft's empire and some of the things such as buying the airplanes and everything else. I mean, MLS limits the amount of of charter flights that... um, That teams can do so it's always funny to hear the stories about uh back in the early days of mls that uh the chicago fire were walking around the airport with their team garb on and a woman came up and asked if they were firefighters you know (laughs) so you 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 you, you, you don't necessarily have the the um the separation in terms of an nfl team the jets or giants here booking their own flights i mean you know the red bulls will fly coach for most of their games so um, some of those things the league necessarily can't control but you look at the fact that one airplane imagine if Kraft sunk equivalent money into the revolution half of it for marketing and and and, and that type of you know advertising and, and all those types of things but actually invested in and in put some real talent out there on the field I mean it might be a tough sell but who with the Portuguese Brazilian community imagine if there was one draw player wow. From that what, that, what that could do for attendance with a team that I think is has a solid core over the years but maybe is lacking that, that special difference maker. And It's a tough sell going to a soccer game at Gillette where you've got maybe 15,000, 18,000 fans uh, playing in a stadium that holds 75,000. That's probably a little narrow turf-wise. Uh, mm. That's not a great turf to begin with. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is a team that desperately needs to either find new ownership or get out of Gillette.
1: No, it's. I mean, it's. It's incredible to see. You know, uh, they've been to the MLS Cup five times and lost every time. It's incredible to see a club. With, yeah. And, and Boston being such an amazing sports town, the last two decades, you wouldn't be. It's surprising to would when saying, you know, what? Maybe I'll invest a little bit of money, and then suddenly you can be the revolution become you know a staple of MLS. But he's been very reluctant. And you saw when Jermaine Jones came in, they went to the MLS Cup. They changed that logo too. Yeah, the crayon colors and all that stuff—it's just—it's—it's <laughs> it's, it's pretty disgusting if you look at it.
2: So, Christian, and yet you know, Chris. and yet you know
4: what? In twenty years, guys, we're going to be calling those logos retro, and, and the new batch of MLS fans are going to be wearing it and thinking yep. it's so cool.
3: <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> just I just agree. just
4: like the just like the Phillies logos from the '80s—hideous, right? right? But then now, all of a sudden, you go to a Philadelphia Phillies game, everyone's wearing that because it's retro.
1: Yeah, it's 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 I guess cool, you know, quote unquote cool, but
2: right so let's go back to let's go back to new york uh, christian um does the city lean red or blue because when i went to new york i saw a bunch of nyc advertising and whatnot i mean you say you're not you're not from new york but you cover the new york club so i mean what's the feeling around the city is it more blue or is it more red
4: i think it's a pretty even split uh If only because the Red Bull slash Metro Stars, you know, had had a 20 year advantage or so over New York City FC. I also think the fact that they have one of the crown jewels of MLS soccer specific stadiums. Absolutely,
2: we're talking about the
4: show. Yeah, Red Red Bull Arena is up there. I think with. Sporting KC's park, uh, certainly. And I'm not sure if there's anyone else that's really kind of, in you know, Orlando certainly, although you kind of hear that the sight lines in Orlando aren't that great and it's a, it's a little tight and this or that. But Red Bull Arena is up there, top three in the league. And when that place is full, there, there's a lot of energy. Uh, the, the atmosphere is great. I think the supporters clubs, uh, when you look at Red Bull probably versus NYC, certainly tilts towards the red bulls advantage It just seems like it's more organic more creativity but also has to do with location they're you know not stuck in left field necessarily and <laughs> we've seen a decline we've seen a decline in attendance for nyc now through three years and some of that's understandable the, the first year every time you bring in a name there's going to be 35 40, that come on out and that's going to bump you for a year year and a half or so as it did for nyc but uh pretty soon if you've got tickets along that third baseline uh, and you're sitting front row and you're, you're at, you know, ground level necessarily, and you can't see across the field and you're 25 yards away from the field because of the sight lines in the stadium that begins to go a little bit tiresome on you. Eh? Yeah. And the place doesn't hold sound well. Um, so I, I, I think it's probably now it was maybe leaning a little bit blue for the first year or two, but I think now it's probably tilting back. As more people get the the Red Bull Arena experience, I think that's the best selling point. It's in New Jersey, uh, you know, but it's closer to Manhattan by, via the path than uh, Yankee Stadium is uh, via via the train as well. So um, I think it's going to be fifty fifty split or close to it for a long time.
1: What about the stadium for NYCFC? Do we have any? I mean, do you have any inclination on when they're going to start to build something? Are they going to break ground? How, you know. What, finding ground, what the stadium is going to be like, any, any update on that? If, if,
4: if, if you're a minority owner um, as the Yankees are, I'm not sure they're necessarily in a rush to get anything built right now. This is a situation where they're getting another 15 20 events into their building um you know every single summer it doesn't seem to be having an impact on the baseball team remember all the concerns this is gonna you know kill Derek Jeter at shortstop well we haven't seen one injury because of it so and and if I'm MLS I think the fact that you know occasionally you get crowds of 35 40,000 in Yankee Stadium. Certainly doesn't hurt the perception of the league, whereas, even if you have your own soccer specific stadium right next door, uh, 25,000 may not quite have quite the same allure. Uh, with all that being said, I don't think there's any way within the five boroughs within the next five years that anything's going to progress. The building costs would be too much, let alone simply finding the land. If, if, NYC, if NYC was willing to go to maybe Randall's Island and partner with New York City in terms of mass transportation to get people in there, I think that might be the best fit. But right now, the private authority that owns Randall's Island uh, doesn't seem to want to have any sporting events there other than track and field and and, and some other kind of one-off events. So fi- finding something within the five boroughs, which, if you remember, is what NYCFC promised uh, would happen and that Yankee Stadium would be only temporary, I think that's a pipe dream. I, I think in all likelihood, we're going to see NYC uh, F C probably out at the Belmont project, which for those not in the tri-state area would be in Long Island, right next to the Belmont racetrack, uh, using a huge parking lot there right off mass transportation and perhaps tapping into a Long Island uh, fan base that I I, I think people don't understand. Long Island is the number 19 media market in the nation by itself. It's often lumped in with New York, but this is a good sized uh, media population in and of itself. And, when you talk about viewership and potential fan base, the numbers will be there. And I think the hardcore NYC fans can certainly take that 15, 20 minute train ride. So that to me is probably going to be the best solution, but does it hurt the fact that then they claim we're the team of the five boroughs, which has always been kind of the rallying cry yeah, against yeah, the yeah. Red Bulls when they're going to be further away from the five boroughs, than than Red Bull arena, that might be the only sticking point.
1: Oh, that's- right. It's very interesting to to see how you know. It's difficult to find a stadium, especially yeah, the now off and, the field stuff's crazy. Over yeah, there. yeah, it's a lot of work.
2: But let's talk about the Red Bulls on the field, just quickly, real quick. They're in fourth place right now with 38 points. Last last season, they crashed out of the uh, semifinals uh, against Montreal. How, what's your uh, feeling around the uh, Red Bulls this season? Are they in a good spot? Do you think they can make it run uh, for an MLS Cup? How's the feeling around camp?
4: Yeah, the, the past two years under Jesse Marsh, I mean, last year they started off the season one and six, ended up winning the Eastern Conference and had an outside shot of winning the Supporters' Shield. Uh, it it seems like every year the Red Bulls, and dating back, we go back four years ago to Mike Pecky, the team began to peak in mid to late summer, won the Supporters' Shield that time around, and then kind of crashed down the playoffs. This year, it seems like their peaking is starting just a little bit later. And uh, make no mistakes about it. Winning the Supporters' Shield is nice. They've won it two times the past four years. Very few MLS teams have done that and, and had that model consistency. They've won consecutive Eastern Conference titles three times in the last four years. But winning MLS Cup is something that's still eluded this franchise, whether they were the Metro Stars, now known as as the New York Red Bulls. So, uh If if, if you want to make an argument that that's going to be more important than starting and peaking just a little bit later, as the Red Bulls seem to be doing right now, uh, certainly points to the fact that they're placing a greater emphasis on the playoffs on potentially making MLS Cup this year. Now, of course, the flip side of that is they wouldn't be hosting MLS Cup in all likelihood as things stand, and you would expect it to play out a third, fourth seed in the East against a Western Conference seed. Uh, That would probably be Dallas or or Seattle. Um, So they've got to balance this thing out and make sure that they can get a good seeding spot as well if they do have MLS Cup ambitions.
2: The Red Bull thing kind of sounds like FC Dallas because we're based in Dallas, so we're familiar with FC Dallas. And it kind of sounds like FC Dallas because, I mean, they yep. won the Supporters' Shield last season. And now it seems like they're they're having a little struggle in between. But I think they're pushing more and more towards MLS Cup because, I mean, that's a trophy that's been eluding the club for their entirety. So, I mean, it's kind of interesting to see the parallels between the two clubs.
4: And two clubs as well, guys, very much based on the academy. You talk about the two yes. best academies in all of MLS. I think F C Dallas, New York Red Bulls won two, and you can make the argument, uh, F C Dallas is better or Red Bulls better and probably not be wrong. Uh, sure, you know, yeah, and, and how important that is, and how important that is for the US national team. You you look at the under seventeen, the under twenties, under twenty threes, how many F C Dallas products have been on there? How many Red Bull Academy products have been on there? And yet wow. These are two of the franchises that are among the lowest spending in MLS, and we can talk Mm -hmm. about that in a minute, what what they need to do in order to to address some of those things. But lowest spending, very high academy ratio. I look at the Red Bulls 18 consistently and count six, seven uh, academy products on the game day roster. You can do the same thing with Dallas, and the number might actually be a little bit higher uh, on any given uh, Saturday night. But two teams that are following this model, they're high energy, they're young, they're balanced squads, they're, they're not star-laden squads. And when you think about the fact that oftentimes come MLS Cup playoff time, how many times have we seen an older team that dominates the regular season begin to tire? And we're mm. seeing that a little uh. bit right now with the Chicago Fire. I'm, I'm not going to write the Chicago Fire off, but this is an older team. Uh, it's also a team that has several key contributors right now, who is their first year in in MLS, the the forward, obviously Schweinsteiger, the travel, the heat, uh, the style of play begins to wear on these guys in their first season, and very often these teams fade come September, come October, when the younger teams are beginning to find their stride, and that's what we're seeing. And I know FC Dallas has had some struggles this summer, but we're seeing that uh, more often than not from FC Dallas, from New York Red Bull as well.
1: Yeah, it's definitely interesting to watch. Uh, last question here: What do you think out of the two New York clubs, who's more likely to make a deeper run in playoffs?
4: Well, a lot of it depends on seeding. If uh, New York City FC and chances are these teams will have to play each other in the playoffs if one of them's going to advance. I, I, I think that's the way things are trending this year, and that would be a tremendous playoff. Oh, series. fantastic! But,
1: <laughs> we we in, are in a, in a, excited for that matchup. In,
4: You know, but a lot of it's going to depend on seating. If that first leg is held at Yankee Stadium, um, it, with the smallest field in MLS and a field that, quite frankly, is is not anywhere near MLS dimensions. Um, you know, if that first match is held there and, and, and uh, New York City FC is able to go, go out there, play the kind of match they played a couple weeks ago and get that win, it could be very difficult for, for Red Bulls who are then going to have to face a bunker opponent in the second leg at Red Bull Arena. Now, I think it would be a fantastic match either way for a neutral but you would have to say if NYCFC is the higher seed, even if they're not playing as strongly come the playoffs, and let's say, you know, Red Bull's ascending a little bit more, it's certainly an instance
1: where the dimensions of that field in the first leg could be absolutely brutal. Absolutely. Well, here on the show on Uncle Sam, we have a little shameless plug. Go ahead and let the listeners know where to follow you, maybe where your content is at.
4: Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Christian R. Dyer. That's Christian with a K. R uh, and then Dyer and uh, I cover the MLS for Metro uh, Newspapers in New York Boston and Philadelphia as well as being the Red Bull Insider for the MSG Network so you can see me on TV and throw the remote at me on MLS Live.
1: <laughs> hey we appreciate it hope to talk to you down the road. Maybe Thank in you the so much Christian. Hey guys this was fun. Thanks so much. Absolutely.
2: Joining us right now is Corey Repkin. He is a Dynamo dash Dashbeat reporter for the Houston Chronicle. Corey, how are you today?
3: I am great, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Um, let's. I, I'm originally from Swiss. My parents are both Swiss. So when I saw that Sundaross got signed by Houston Dynamo, I was excited. It's another Swiss guy in the league. But uh, why did the Dynamo make the signing?
3: You know, when when Wilmer Cabrera came in as coach, one thing that he emphasized was having leadership in the locker room, and having veterans who had you know been around and played, and you know can impart knowledge and kind of bring up the young guys. And I think Philippe Senderos fills that role for him. You know, I I haven't talked to Philippe yet. He hasn't uh, gotten to Houston. Uh, but uh, you, you know I see what's what's written on on twitter and 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 message boards and and elsewhere on the internet that people say he hasn't done that well uh, in, in previous stops. but you know the Dynamo aren't expecting him to come in and you know be an MLS you know best eleven center back. They're bringing him in they're bringing him in because he's good for depth, he's good for leadership in the locker room. And you know if if they can find you know you know the the talent that he has left and he can you know play for a season and a half or two seasons and you know find that form that he used to have then you know they got a steal out of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, they, I guess the Dynamo are hoping to see the success of Jamiley and uh, Barnetta, who are one with the Union, the other one right now with Montreal, both succeeding as Swiss players. So hopefully Sundaros can replicate that.
3: Yeah, yeah, he's, uh, I, I, I don't think the expectations are super high, uh, but but they do think he can bring that leadership, and, you know, they, they have other players who have done that. It, it's the reason they wanted to bring back DeMarcus Beasley so badly. It's the reason why they so badly wanted to trade for A.J. De La Garza, and it's the reason why Wilmer Cabrera went to the front office about Vicente Sanchez, who's 37 year, years old and was playing in Uruguay, said, I have to have this guy. And, you know, every time I see Vicente Sanchez, you know he, you know, early in the season he's talking to Eric Torres all the time. Right now he's talking to Tomas Martinez all the time. Vicente Sanchez fills a role for this team. Yeah, he he he's a good player and he contributes on the field, but it's a lot more than that. And that's the role that they expect Felipe Senderos to fill too.
2: Listen, Corey, we're based in Dallas, and I was born and raised in Dallas, and I'm supposed to hate the Dynamo and what they do, but i love what they're doing on the field and how they're playing i mean they were last place last season in the west but right now they're in first can you just talk about how the the city and how you're feeling about the uh, dynamos uh, current season so far
3: well uh, it's hard to say in houston because the astros are, are the best team in the american league right now uh the rockets you know they kind of had a resurgence under Mike D'Antoni, and and the Texans are always the Texans. And I know that you know Dallas has some of the same things, right? But in but in but in Houston, you know the Dynamo really are the the fourth string, if you could say, you know, of teams that people follow. And when you combine that with with how hot and humid it is. Oh. You know people look at the attendance and they say oh well why aren't people excited about this team but the people that I talk to on social media the people I see at games they really are excited about this team and yeah you know they talk about how the last three years the front office you know they wonder you know how much was this front office really in into this team and making it better but Clearly, you can see that they they were into making it better. They just made some wrong decisions with hiring Owen Coyle, and you know that was a big thing. And you know, given a chance to fre- at a fresh start, which kind of started last spring when they fired Owen Coyle, you know they make some moves. And, and the moves that they've made in the off season, you know, the big things were actually starting last season in the middle of the season and kind of set themselves up for this past off season where they did acquire some players and they did hire a coach that is really having this team on an upward trajectory. And I think that the true core fans are really excited about that. And as long as the Dynamo stay close to the you know top of the table, you're going to start to see that attendance get better as the season goes on.
2: Yeah, like all those new signings that you talked about, like Elise, Kyoto, Torres, and the reemergence of Torres – those those fun three is really exciting to watch, especially when you watch it like uh, we watch on MLS Live. Do you think Wilma Cabrera is Coach of the Year in your eyes, with how he's having those play together?
3: Um, you know, it. I think he's probably in the running. Uh, I think we got to see how the Dynamo close down the stretch. But you know, let let's say they go and and they finish in the top two in the West. I mean considering where this team was last year i mean i guess you know chicago fire you know they're probably going to be right up there too so you got to consider their coach also but uh, i mean wilmer's got to be in the running because without him where would this team be Uh, you know a lot yes a lot of it is the players but you know the culture that wilmer has built for the dynamo is a big part of it too all the all the players love him. I mean, how many times has a player scored a goal, especially early in the season, and the first thing they did is they ran and they gave Wilmer a huge bear hug? You know, that's, that's a sign that these players love him and they love the opportunity that they're giving him in their career.
1: So what is the expectation now that they have, I mean, coming from last place, going forward here and making a run in the playoffs? I mean, is there any expectation for the team to, to make a run?
3: I think it depends on who you ask. Uh, Wilmer, all he says is he wants to make the playoffs and then go from there. Uh, but you know the way the team's playing, I think it's fair to expect a you know a top four placing. You know, so you get a home game for sure in the playoffs, and then you know we'll, we'll kind of go from there. The the playoffs are a different animal. It's it's a week to week thing, but you I mean. Now, now that the Dynamo have kind of figured out how to get results on the road, you got to like their chances in the playoffs. So, I, you know, from my point of view, if they if they don't get to the conference semifinals, I think that's a disappointment. <clears throat> you know, and depending who they play and and variables on you know that that playoff series that they would face in the semifinals. But I mean, they have a couple games with Kansas City coming up. We've seen that they can go toe to toe with Dallas. Uh, Seattle seems like a different animal right now, so I don't think you know the Dynamo really know where they stand with them. So I think there's still some unknowns, but the fact that they've gotten results against some of the best teams is a big deal, and it shows them that, yeah, they can win in the playoffs if they can match the pressure.
1: So... Th- you just mentioned Dallas. What is it, What is the Dallas-Houston rivalry like from a Houston's perspective? Steven doesn't think there's any rivalry. I, don't, I personally don't think the rivalry is as strong as MLS hopes it to be, the marketing behind it. I personally don't get the hatred. I think the six-hour drive, I've lived in both cities, the six-hour drive just is too long of a, of a hole, and the way Texas is built is so, you know, it almost feels like you're in a different
3: state. Uh, it takes you six hours. How slow do you drive?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I, I had to. I lived in Missouri City. I had to get through the traffic of Houston, <laughs> so.
3: Okay. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. I understand. I spent some time in Missouri City, so I understand uh, that. Yeah, no, it's,
1: uh, Houston traffic isn't.
3: No, even. Ne- yeah, well, we we could do a whole another segment <laughs> on just the Houston traffic, but but I digress. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the Dynamo fans they they embrace it it's a big deal to them you know when when dallas you know imposed those sanctions on the fans earlier this season they took it hard you know and and when dallas came down for the the only game in houston this season i mean they were out in full force i talked to several groups before that game and they said man ever since that game in dallas we've been hoping we think about this game And maybe the the vigor would not have been as extreme without the imposed sanctions, but they still want to win that game. You know, last season was so awful for the Dynamo, but but they talked about winning El Capitan. You know, that was their trophy from last year, and that was kind of a big deal to them. You know, at least they had that. I think they want an MLS Cup more than they want El Capitan, but it was still a source of pride for them to know that they had won the season series with Dallas last year. And I, I, you know, with the sanctions, I don't know how many are going to go up in groups uh, next week, but I think you'll still probably see a lot of people go up because, Hey, this is the dynamo's chance to, to retain El Capitan and to take a big step in terms of solidifying their spot within the top three in the West.
1: Absolutely. What
2: do you think? What are your expectations for, for the match next Wednesday?
3: Uh, I think the Dynamo are going to go for it. You know, I think in the end, you know, they'll probably be okay with the tie, but I think that they think that they can win that game, especially if they play well against Vancouver on Saturday. If they get another result there, I mean, they're not going to go into Dallas beating their chest, but they're going to go in with a quiet confidence that, you know, why can't they do it? You know, everyone – what am I trying to say? You know, everyone was down in the dumps and and saying that, you know, you know the Dynamo are awful on the road and they can't do it on the road and that's why their season is going to be terrible in the long run. But, you know, the first result they get is at Dallas. You know, yeah. they hold Dallas to no goals. And that, that was a turning point for them. And they're going to use that as confidence going up to Dallas this time and say, yeah, you know, we can get a result and maybe we can even win the game. So,
1: so you're, in your perspective, Houston is is the underdog, and Dallas is is I guess alpha dog here, and Houston's trying to catch what Dallas has been doing.
3: In terms of soccer, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Dallas has proven it throughout the league. They're they're one of the teams to beat. Um, and you know what what where can the Dynamo hang their hat? You know, in that so called uh, Coke closet. You know. Like they, they haven't made the playoffs the last three years, and Dallas has been one of their premier teams. they got players coming through their academy. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the Dynamo fans are, are ecstatic that they're having a better season, but I don't think they're under any illusion that in the long run, uh, at least in the last three or four years, that they've been as good as Dallas has. So it would be a major accomplishment uh, for the Dynamo and for their fans if they you know somehow win that game Wednesday.
2: And finally, could you just talk about the uh, new sign that Dynamo had, uh, Martinez, uh, from was it the Portuguese League? Um, he, he looks to be a really interesting player. I've watched some of his highlights. He looks to be really interesting. How would he fit in with that uh, dynamic of Elise, Kyoto, and Torres? I
3: th- I think they're excited what he can bring. Uh, you know, he they, they talk about the experience he has in Argentina and with their youth national team and and in Europe. And, you know... He he's he's a playmaker and he's young and and he he fits the profile of of the of the type of player that MLS MLS teams are starting to bring in and and can make a difference in them in the long run and you know they're taking it slow with him you know he didn't play for three weeks until uh, last week's game played for twenty eight minutes and they liked what they saw they liked that he's confident they liked that he's asking for the ball they liked that he's confident. You know, to play those those piercing balls into the attacking third, uh, they're encouraged with what they see, and they hope in the long run he can be a big part of their team. I don't think you're you're going to see some massive you know jump into the forefront of playmakers with an MLS this season from Tomas Martinez. You know, he's still trying to figure out the league and, and the pace of play, and and really the Dynamo too. You know where he fits in there, but but they like the confidence. And they think they're going to get a lot out of them in the long run.
2: All right, Corey. So on the show, we have a little something. It's a shameless plug, as we call it. So go ahead and tell the listeners where we can find you and where we can find all your content as well.
3: Uh, I write for the Houston Chronicle at cron.com slash sports slash dynamo. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at RIP Sports. RIP hey. sports, but really, not rest in peace sports.
1: <laughs> we really appreciate <laughs> appreciate you coming on the show to discuss the Dynamo. It's definitely an uh, interesting dynamic being in Dallas
3: and you being in Different Houston.
1: perspective. Yeah.
3: I, I'm flattered for the opportunity. Thank you guys. I appreciate it.
2: Absolutely. Thanks, Corey.
3: Yep, yeah, thanks. Take care.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Different guys, different regions of America. Still, we got different soccer. perspectives on each. Yes, yes, yeah, I think
2: that's the cool part about the show is we get different perspectives. Yeah, of yeah. The and city let me, we let, me in.
1: let me tell listeners when I'm in six hours. Yes, it takes six hours. If you ever drive through Houston from any time from three thirty to seven thirty, it takes you forever to get through that traffic. It's, it's the fourth largest city in America. I have it's friends huge. who
2: travel from Houston to go to UTD whenever they go see family. They talk about how terrible it is. So yeah.
1: But we got some breaking news, actually. Well, it's not
2: really breaking news, but remember how we're talking about the... Breaking why is news. There a whistle? Oh, okay. Breaking news whistle. Okay. So you remember how we're talking about the team values and whatnot? And yes. And they just came out. As we are recording this episode, yes. Forbes just released an updated list of the highest value teams. And remember how we said Seattle was the highest value team? Yes. Seattle at, at, at how much? 285. At 285. I just want to drum roll, please. The newest, highest-value team is the LA Galaxy at three hundred and fifteen million dollars. Huge
1: increase. Uh who's number two? Let give us the top five here.
2: All right, so top five,
1: and I'll, I'll tell you what it was one year ago. That All way, right. we put some perspective. So we have
2: LA Galaxy at number one. At number two, it's Seattle at two ninety-five.
1: So they increased by ten last year. It was two eighty-five. Toronto at two eighty at number three. Wow, they they made a huge jump. They went from two forty-five to two eighty. Next up, we have NYCFC at 275. An increase of 20 mil last year. They were third at 255. And rounding out the top five is Orlando City at 272. So we just talked about the increase of the stadium. Remember how we're mm-hmm. talking about how that even they should would, affect it? Yeah. should affect it. That new stadium bumped them up. They were last year at 240. And you uh, want to see the bottom? Yeah, let's look at the bottom because the question is did, it help? did every MLS club increase? Let's get the bottom to out there. All right,
2: there. go ahead. All right. So at last place, it <laughs> isn't the Colorado Rapids anymore. It's not. What? It's the Columbus Crew at
1: 130. Dude, 130. It still doesn't get you Neymar. Not even half. Now the Rapids are at 135. They're second to bottom. So Columbus Crew last year at 123. They were not at the bottom. The Rapids were at the bottom at 110. 110 million dollar club. That's insane. A club that's won the MLS club is valued at 110 mil. Not even the expansion fee covers these clubs. It's
2: crazy. And rounding out the bottom three is Vancouver at 150, which I think is interesting that Vancouver's is one Vancouver
1: the- is an interesting case. Last year they were at 128, now they're at 150. And that's the bottom three. So last year, FC Dallas was, I think, six from the bottom, and now they were valued at 150. So now you, you're seeing everybody's increase. There's now they're seventh from the bottom at 185. And that's probably due to winning the the cup double last year, the U.S. Open Cup and in the Supporters Shield, and in the success of the academy.
2: Yeah, and Forbes doesn't uh, have Atlanta United or Minnesota's in there yet. So people are asking about those; those are not in there right now. But what's your what's your take on well, it's the really, update?
1: I mean, it's it's crazy on this show that we got the updated list. Like we talked about it from last year and in the increase, but we talked about being. In, in the opening segment was the, the advantage you really had off the field with the expansion rate. And if looking
2: at, like we talked about, four of the top five are expansion so side. So let's
1: see. What do, what do you consider expansion? What year? Well, I would say
2: expansion is anything, but that wasn't in the original 10. But, I mean, I think that's too vague. Now you no, think about I it. think
1: it's anything after 08. To, to, Toronto being the... Last expansion size, I would say I would say from Toronto on. Because anything from Chicago Fire, it's only two. Salt s- Lake. so they're lumped in. They they've had the 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 time to to expand. What Chicago fires? Chicago uh, the, Fires valuation is two forty. Compare that to last year's you don't mind. Two forty compared to a Chicago Fire being at uh, one seventy seven. That's a pretty big jump. Huge jump. What about the Red Bulls? We we had Christian talk about the Red Bulls. Wonder what they what their leap was because last year that wasn't in two forty five. So they again a huge jump,
2: huge huge jump. And actually, um, I just I remember uh, or- the Orlando City owner actually posted something on Facebook talking about how great of an investment it is to join MLS, talking about how MLS is going to be worth billions. In well, the somebody future.
1: tried buying MLS for four billion dollars.
2: <laughs> so I mean, it's a really interesting thing. Now we were going to talk about the on the field stuff, and we still are. So. Steven said, perspective-wise, it could be better to be a non-expansion
1: side. Yes. So the first 10 minutes, we talked about the value of being an expansion club off the uh, the field. So we had the uh, club evaluations from 2016. Now we just got the 2017 updated list uh, that just broke about an hour ago from the recording of the show. But on the field, it's actually really interesting. Uh, what What numbers do you have for us to talk about here?
2: Well, it, if we look at the percentages of series one, the top team is Portland at twenty uh, in twenty eleven, but a lot of the teams that a lot of the like the newer now this sides this is
1: playoff
2: all time playoff success. This okay, six playoff. So playoff success, which yes. I
1: think is very important in in today's age. Is what do they do in the playoffs?
2: So the two newest sides, NYCFC and Orlando City, are at the bottom because they haven't
1: they have won a playoff series.
2: Yeah. Okay. Which makes is sense. which, sure, is, sure, which sure, is relatively sure. interesting. Two of the top five are D.C. United and L.A. Galaxy. Okay.
1: Then those are original clubs.
2: Those, those are original clubs. But I think what that also factors into is that they also were in the playoffs in the inaugural season of MLS as well. Yeah, that absolutely. Makes sense.
1: Now, I have a list here of on during the entire season, and this is points per game, meaning how many points do they average per game.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Seattle Sounders are number one. So That's they came the in the league in 2009. But after that, L.A., Chicago, Houston, Dallas, Columbus, D.C., KC. Those are all original clubs. Besides for for Houston making making the switch, you're talking about 96, pretty much, and then you know the Chicago Fire being 98. That's pretty interesting. And this is points per game. So you know if 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 NYCFC would have had an, exce- uh, an exceptional two seasons that they're they should around, be up. They should be the highest. They, one. they would be at the highest one. But no, this is. This is over you know hundreds All the years of games, of and, and it's kind of unfair to look at it from from an, an, an original entire, club. from the original up. It'd be interesting if you curved that data to from you know 09 on. Oh, I'd be interesting. But Seattle's that. made every year they've been in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's interesting to see how Seattle has done. And then the last recent winners, besides for Seattle and Portland, 96, 96, 96, 96, Colorado. LA and Sporting KC. Those were the last... I mean, maybe the trend, the new trend is now you've seen the Torontos. For example, the uh, Seattle, those clubs that came in now about a decade ago, seeing their success finally be rewarded. I think a key thing for success
2: for those MLS original sides is rebranding. Look yes. what Kansas City did. The Wizards were... Terrible. W- were going, or They should have been contracted at some point, but... Look at them now. They have rebranded their team, Sporting Kansas City. It is one of the best. If you're looking for a way to rebrand a team, go look what Sporting Kansas City has done because they've completely changed the perception around the league, their success, their facilities are fantastic. I think that's the new trend. That's that's a big trend that also plays a hand
1: because if you rebrand a side, it's almost like They're an expansion side of sorts, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. And even if you're looking at playoff appearances, so Seattle's number one. They're 8-for-8. They've made every year. I feel like they've missed the playoffs at one point. No, they haven't. That's crazy. Then you have LA, the Red Bulls, Miami Fusion, which folded. So you you pull them out. Sporting KC, Dallas, Real Salt Lake. Tampa Bay Mutiny pulled them out again. And the Houston, uh, Houston Dynamo, Chicago Fire, Houston New England fire. Revolution. So th- there's such an advantage being an older club, and it makes sense. The, the branding off the field will favor the, uh, the the new clubs because who was it? I don't remember. it Was it Christian or uh, uh, Corey who said something to the likes of, you know, People, the Red Bulls. Now it's Christian talking about how you know you don't remember the the good old days or the bad old days. The Metro Atlanta, Star days. The Metro Star days. The bad days of of the club. So the you, growing pains. The growing pains. And now you have all these new fan bases like Atlanta, and the expansion clubs. Now they're coming in. If they do it right, they're going to see success on and off the field. It's no longer with New York and Orlando. You saw the split. Okay, on the field they're probably going to struggle, but off the field they're going to be successful. Look at the club evaluations.
2: Right. It's, it's Yeah, I mean, this new age, I think, especially with MLS becoming such a intriguing league for younger players to go to, as you saw the trend of designated players, it's getting younger and younger. I think it's more of a really interesting trend how I think the expansion teams will be better off in the future because I think they'll be able to attract that younger talent and they'll capitalize on the off-the-field marketing. And if they can do both then um, MLS will be set, set for success.
1: I mean... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 315 mil is... is there's nothing to even... Like, I think I was reading in the Forbes magazine. That the It's right here. Um, the Seattle Sounders. Now, this was last year. The league's most valuable franchise, uh, which was at 285. So now you can say LA, the most valuable franchise in MLS, is a bottom-level NHL team. So the MLS is making that jump now. It's 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 growing, and
2: I think... By the time the last round of expansion is and two or three years after League stabilizes, I think we might be seeing a massive jump. Well, I, think that we might be uh, worth. I
1: think it's already starting with the stadiums being 30K. That That's something that, 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 that's a detail nobody should overlook. That Minnesota stadium that's being built? I know, mm. but the 30K stadium Nashville's proposing. Get ready for it. You're going to start seeing 35 soon. Hopefully All right, show expensive. announcement. We're taking the next 10 days off, more or less. Yeah, I'm going back to college. Steven's going back to college. We're going to need to we're, take a we're little We're going to be a
2: little busy, but we're going to still continue the show after those 10 days. We just got to take a little break.
1: The first show back will be... August twenty seventh.
2: Yeah, we'll, we can. We'll discuss a bunch of things. I mean,
1: U.S. Men's National Team's coming up. Ooh, so.
2: John Brooks is out. Follow
1: me on Twitter at Stephen Joderand.
2: Follow me at k a f a i sport. I have to say it because no one knows <laughs> yeah, my last not spell name. It. Uh,
1: at Unc Sam Soccer Podcast. Share, subscribe, comment. What do you think? Expansion. Roast. Red Bulls. Houston Dynamo. Roast. Dallas. Roast us. Talk talk bad about us. Exactly. Tell your friends about us. Exactly.
2: Tell your mom about us. Bye. Tell your grandma about us.